And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senoras y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast coming to you live right now. We are recording on a Tuesday here. It's season three, episode five. All of this is being brought to you by our friends over at Silverback Sports Shop, silverback.com. If you don't know, you should already know if you listen to this podcast. Silverback Sports is the official sponsor of the NAI Ball Podcast, the alpha in arm care and training essentials, premium and durable materials for individual and team use. They're always available over at shopsilverback.com. That's shopsilverback.com when you need to unlock the silverback in you. They have been great to our show. They have donated product down here to me for local high schools here in deep South Texas in the Rio Grande Valley where teams just don't have the same equipment that other parts of the country do. They are incredible guys, and that is an NAI-made company owned by NAI coaches. So you definitely need to check out Shop Silverback on Twitter, shopsilverback.com, Silverback Sports, the official sponsor of the NAI Ball podcast. Let's get right into it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Robbie Gutierrez, here with you as always at RobG1063 on Twitter. It is great to be here with you. It is another day, another week, and NAI baseball is in full swing. Conference play getting ready to get underway. But first, we have to introduce the man himself, the legend, the foremost authority on NAI baseball, Mr. Cody. Butler. Cody, buddy, what's going on today? How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing well. You know, just ready for some March Madness. Like you said, conference plays kicking off. We got teams in Arizona, teams in Florida. Everyone's underway. Let's go. Everybody underway from around the nation. We are watching games. I mean, we are recording this, and I'm watching Grandview in Iowa as we speak right now. Hey, shout out to Grandview hanging in there in the top of the fifth right now in a one-run ball game. So definitely, definitely, definitely excited to get this episode rolling with you here. But we're going to start on a little bit of a somber note in our shout outs and mentions. We want to give a shout out and our thoughts in our prayers. And we're so happy that he and his family are safe to legendary baseball coach, literally the GOAT, most wins all time in the NAI, over 1,600 career wins, coach at Cumberland, Head baseball coach Woody Hunt, who lost his home in a devastating tornado in the Nashville area just last night. This happened Monday night. They've lost just about everything. I've seen his his son, Scott Hunt, on Twitter basically post the closet that they were hiding in with the roof torn off of this thing. I mean, it's that you know that. Weather like that is is just tornadoes. The weather can be unpredictable, and we are so glad that Coach Hunt is okay. We know that the community is rallying around him. There is currently a GoFundMe in place right now, and if you have, of course, you have to be following NAI Ball on Twitter. We have posted it already, 
And it has been incredible to see what people in this community have done, what the people in the Cumberland community have done, and the people who care about Coach Woody Hunt have done. Out of As of the time that we are recording this show, as of this time, $14,500 have been raised in seven hours for Coach Woody Hunt. And I can't imagine the, the decades and the memories lost in, in this tornado. But at the same time, Coach Hunt is safe. His family is safe. And just an incredible, incredible, incredible just blessing that that is, that everybody is okay. I'm so glad that they're all right. And we are thinking about, we're praying for everyone affected in the Nashville area by this. And hopefully everyone out in Lebanon, Tennessee is doing okay as well. Cody, man, Coach Hunt, I know, means a lot to you and I. Absolutely. Coach Hunt means a lot to me. Um, I think he's a tremendous person. Every time I've talked to him, he's been extremely gracious. Uh, I talked to his son, Scott, a good bit. And they're just a really good family. He's a great ambassador for our sport. I would want no one else representing NAI baseball than Coach Woody Hunt. And I'm just devastated for him and his family. He's an absolute figurehead, and we can't say enough great things about him. He's he's called me before just to just to call me and and thank us for for what we do. And and he's not the only coach that does it, but when the guy who's got the most wins all time just does it because he feels like it, you know, and he's a genuinely great man. He's selfless. We got to really talk and and spend some time together at ABCA in Dallas. So that meant a lot to me to be able to meet him. And I've done nothing but hear about him for years. I started in NAI baseball in 2012, you know, so I've, I've been around the game now eight years and just getting to meet him was, was definitely a great experience. And so if you're associated with NAI ball, if you're associated with NAI baseball, you have to know who Woody Hunt is and he's, he's a great man. And so we are, not just praying for him and his family, but praying for everybody in the Nashville and Lebanon area and all the areas affected out there, you know, that, that they recover and, and grow a little bit stronger. And if you get an opportunity, not just to donate to Coach Hunt's cause, but, but to help everybody out in Nashville, please, please, please give it a go. We continue on here with shout outs and mentions. Our first shout out will be to Jamestown head baseball coach, Tom Hager, who wins his 700th game in a 9-5 victory over Aquinas. Congratulations to Jimmy's head coach, Tom Hager, on that. Dakota State starting pitcher Carver Holtgren threw a no-hitter in the win over Kansas Christian. Concordia, Nebraska pitcher CUNE starting pitcher Nick Little threw a no-hitter in their win over Waldorf. Central Baptist shortstop Kevin Volquez went 6-for-6 six six at the plate on Saturday in one game, an absolutely incredible showing for him to have six hits and six at-bats in one ball game. 18-game win streak for Southeastern gets them a shout-out. A 17-game win streak for Georgia Gwinnett gets them a mention and a shout-out here. The only losses, they came to each other. Those teams played each other in a 2-1 to one series win for Southeastern back in January. Other than that, those teams have not lost. Indiana Southeast, 12-0. They are the last undefeated team standing. Shout out to Coach Real out there at IUS. And then McPherson, Kansas, is 16-4 on the season, hitting 381 as a team with 45 doubles, 32 home runs, top five nationally in runs, homers, RBIs, batting average, and hits. And if you're a fan of the podcast, if you listen to the show, if you listen to last season, 
you know that McPherson is a team that we've talked about a lot. When I was playing ball, McPherson was was not great. They weren't. You know, there's there's just no way around that. And they have really, really, really changed that program around. Shout out to everybody over at McPherson making great things happen. See how the season shapes for them. I'm excited to see it. Cody, man, what kind of stands out to you this week? I just think the offense in the NAIA right now, I talk about Southeastern teams hit 57 home runs so far. Um, McPherson's doing their thing on offense. Wayland Baptist is doing their thing. I'm just super impressed every week watching people put the ball in the stands. That's definitely been a heavy offensive year for a lot of teams. Southeastern, that's always been a case for them. Uh, last year, they were really, 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 they were really, really offensive. So, I mean, just an incredible job that offenses are doing around the nation this year. We move on to our week recap. The best of the week from last week, Madonna defeated Campbellsville 7-2 in the NAI ball game of the week. Crusaders starting pitcher Donovan Thacker went six innings pitched, two earned runs, and seven strikeouts in the win. Drew McConnell won the AAC series over number one Tennessee Wesleyan two games to one. The Bears ace Cason Brown went six innings pitched, two earned runs in the game one victory. Evan Bench had two hits in the save in the series winning rubber match for them. Shout out to Truett McConnell for a huge series win over Tennessee Wesleyan. William Carey won the SSAC series over number six Faulkner two games to one. William Carey University Sloan Dieter pitched six shutout innings in the opener with three RBIs at the plate. Finished the weekend going three for four. A big time performance from William Carey's starting pitcher. Jay Simpson in the series finale, six shutout innings of his own. A huge, huge, huge series win for William Carey. Bethany won the KCAC series over number 13, Oklahoma Wesleyan, two games to one. Justin Bailey finished the weekend with a double, a triple, a homer, and five RBIs. Six hits, including a double and two homers for two-way athlete Chase Lorg. And then William Jessup won the GSAC series over Arizona Christian, three games to one. Two shutouts for Jessup on Saturday, capped off by a complete game gem from Max Moreno in the finale of that series. As per normal, the GSAC, wild, wild west as always. Cody, man, best of last week. What stood out the most to you? Yeah, it'd probably be Truett McConnell taking two off Tennessee Wesleyan. They did get him at home, but you know, it's surprising to see them come out there and win both days. And William Carey, I mean, they just dominated Faulkner. Uh, had a chance to sweep. They actually led the game. They lost five to one. They led one to nothing in the ninth inning. Let Aiden get away from them. But uh, yeah, they led almost the entire weekend. So that was really a dominant performance by Carey. I know we don't have conference talk listed to the end, and we're not talking about this conference this week. But can I just really quickly talk about the GSAC? I mean, Westmont is nine and three, and they're fourteen and nine overall. But they're nine and three in GSAC play. Vanguard five and three with a sixteen and six record. And then just after Westmont at nine and three, it's just so jumbled. Vanguard five and three, Hope International seven and five, William Jessup five and five, Arizona Christian four and four, Menlo five and six, the Masters five and seven, Ottawa three and six, San Diego Christian two and six. Cody, every single year, this conference is just, it feels like a toss up. Yeah, I agree. And there are some teams that are just playing better than recent years, too. Like Menlo's a team that's able to take games off you this year. And so I think it's deep. I think it goes five or six deep. And I'm really impressed with Westmont. Let's talk about Westmont. 
you know, they struggled early. I mean, they had a really tough schedule out of the gate. They went to Arizona, played LC State, played Arizona Christian, and they struggled a little bit. But they have rebounded the last two weeks, and they have won huge series for them. And right now they're sitting at the top of the conference. And that's just kind of what we've been preaching all year. It doesn't matter what you do in the opening weeks of your season. When these teams come down to Florida and they get beat around by someone, it doesn't matter. If you go home, handle your business in conference, and you're going to be in the opening round. That's 100% true. I mean, if you you make things happen, you handle things, you handle your business, you don't leave anything to chance, you're going to make the opening round tournament. You're going to be playing somewhere for a regional. So, Cody, absolutely speaking the truth there. It's now time for our NAI Ball Players of the Week, where we crown the best two players in the nation. Of course, NAI Ball, the foremost authority on this level of baseball, on NAI baseball in the world. Here are our two best players this week in the nation. It's going to be pitcher out of Concordia University, Nebraska, starting pitcher Nick Little. He goes seven innings pitch, 10 strikeouts, and a no-hitter versus Waldorf in a 10-0 win. So congratulations to Nick Little, who is our NAI Ball Pitcher of the Week. And our Hitter of the Week at a Central Methodist University is shortstop Sergio Macias. He went 7-for-13, 6 runs, 4 home runs, 12 RBIs in the weekend versus Graceland in Peru State all over a two-day span. Congratulations to Sergio Macias. Cody, man, these two guys stood out a lot to you. Why is that? Well, I think me and you said it before. Anytime you throw a no-hitter, you're in good company and you're going to be in contention to win this award. And I just think Macias has just been great all season. And he tore it up this weekend. You hit four home runs in one weekend, probably going to win the award. I still remember him hitting that game-winning home run at Oklahoma City. And shout-out to Central Methodist. They've won 13 in a row. That team is clicking. Definitely some great things happening for Central Methodist. Before we get on with the show, we have a special interview to talk to you about first. And this week we got to sit down with a coach that's NAI made. And not a lot of people know he's NAI made. And and for that reason, it's one of those things where, well, one, the school is no longer exists, but two, you look at these guys at this level, Cody, and I think you can attest to this. You look at these guys at that level and you don't really think, oh, they, they went to an NAI school. Like you think they had to have gone to a big school to get these jobs. And so we get to sit down with an alumnus of my university. You know, I'm, I'm a Kaiser guy. I coached at Kaiser. I love Kaiser. But first and foremost, I'm a Northwood University, Texas graduate. I'm a Northwood University Knights baseball product. I'm a Northwood University in Cedar Hill, Texas product. That's the school that made me. That's who made me who I am. That's why there's an NAI ball podcast. That's why there's a passion for this sport. And Coach Childress went to Northwood University, Texas as well, and played for Coach Malcheski there who had who had been at Northwood for years and years and years. I formed a relationship with Rob Childress in 2012 as a freshman when he was elected to the Northwood Hall of Sports Hall of Fame. And I was kind of starstruck to think that this coach, you know, at the time Texas A&M was still in the Big 12. This coach, though, has is is going to the SEC. He's here with Dave Van Horn is introducing him, who's the head coach at Arkansas. And this guy went to where I went. He went to the same school I did. And so that was an eye-opener for me to say, 
this level can produce guys that that have a lot of talent. You can do whatever you want to do. You just have to work for it. And in this interview, you're going to hear Coach Childress talk about how he worked for it, how he was made. He wasn't made overnight, but he was NAI made because just like all of us, he goes through trials and tribulations and he works for no money and he gets after it. And to be the head baseball coach at an SEC program, at a competitive SEC program at Texas A&M, absolutely incredible. And Cody, man, I'm I'm so excited to, to share this story because, you know, this is one that that means a lot to me because Coach Childress and I, you know, talk quite a, you know, we get to talk quite a bit. He answers our emails. He wanted to come on the show. You know, he wanted to do this, not for us, but he wanted to be here. And it was really cool. I was, I was interviewing Ted Faulkner at, at ABCA, head coach at Madonna. And Rob Childress passes right by, looks at me, and we talked, you know, for, for quite a few. And it was really cool because he remembered me. <laughs> and I think I was kind of still kind of a little struck that the, the big D1 coach remembered me. But there's been two guys in D1 that have, that have really always kind of been there to talk. And the other one is, is Matt Deggs, who's a Northwood University grad as well, who's now the head baseball coach at UL Lafayette. And of course, he became really well known for his second chance guy speech. And that, that's exactly what he is. And that's exactly what a lot of NAI guys are. So Coach Childress does absolutely an incredible job of telling his story and why he's NAI made. And I'm, I'm really excited to share it with you. Cody, you got to listen to the interview. I'm, I'm sorry I've been talking for a little while on this. You know, uh, we can always cut it in editing, you know, but you got to listen to the interview. And I, I think it's just a, a great one. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic interview. He's so well-spoken. He's been on the same buses that y'all guys been on. He's you know, played in the same conference some of y'all played in. And his journey is a really good one, man. He shares a really good message. And he tells his story about wanting to stay in the game of baseball. And just look where he is today. Yeah, it's in, it's incredible. So without further ado, we've talked enough. Our interview with Texas A&M head baseball coach Rob Childress, who's NAI made. Joining us now on the NAI Ball Podcast, the head baseball coach at Texas A&M, Coach Rob Childress. Now, what y'all may not know about Coach Childress is he is NAI made. He's a 1990 graduate of, well, my university, Northwood University in Cedar Hill, Texas. He's a Northwood Knight. He's a guy that does everything. I mean, just absolutely incredible with the job he's done. He's been all over the place. Coach Childress has been from Texarkana College when before it was Texas A&M Texarkana all the way to now being the head baseball coach at Texas A&M coach Childress thank you for joining me and taking a few moments out of your day and, and talking with us here at NAI ball you bet good morning guys I appreciate you having me on and look forward to visiting with you guys about uh, my times at Northwood and just what NAI baseball meant to me and especially coach Malcheski. Well, let's let's start there. How did you end up at at Northwood? You know, you were at Gilmer High School, which of course, um, very good football over in Gilmer. So you were you were at Gilmer. How do you end up at Northwood? What brings you into the NAI level? Well, I grew up in Gilmer. My mom taught at Harmony High School, and I've got to correct you there. I, I graduated from Harmony High School. I think there'd be a lot of fighting eagles out there would be upset <laughs> with me if I didn't recognize them for that, but. My high school coach, um, he's, his first year of coaching college, 
our coach in high school was my freshman year in high school and he was a left-handed pitcher Steve Mars and he took an interest in me and made me you know dream that I had an opportunity to play beyond high school and drove me all the way to Salina Kansas to visit with Kansas Wesleyan and then we went up to Northwood University to watch a guy that had was a year older than me that was playing at Seminole and I met coach Malcheski and there as I was a senior in high school and he kind of followed up and watched me and a high school teammate Larry Lang you know a couple of different times and uh, then he gave us an opportunity when he gave us that opportunity Northwood at the time was a junior college and it just so happened that both my freshman and sophomore year we were in the junior college circuit and my my junior year they they went NAIA and I had an opportunity to stay there for all four years and it was certainly the best decision of my life going to Northwood. You know, coach, I can 100% agree with that. That's one of the things that I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. The greatest decision of my life was, was to go to Northwood. I'm a McAllen, Texas kid. I'm a McAllen high school grad. And, uh, actually, you know, my, one of my best friends in the world, little, bro, uh, older brother played for you in, in Joaquin Hinojosa there at Texas A&M. Yep. So, you know, it, it's one of those things that I was I was blessed with to end up from Mack High and head on out to Northwood. And it's, I got to spend three great years there. Uh, just one of the one of the greatest things to happen to me with playing with Coach Garza and Jeremy Kennedy, uh, who are now at Texas Wesley. And of course, you know, as, as a Northwood guy, mm -hmm. that, that's a bad word. Uh, and then also Coach Kennedy at Loyola. But, you know, just the memories that I was able to make at that level, you know, kind of talk about what that is for you, uh, what the NAI meant for you in those final two years, because you did some really good things there at, at Northwood. You were, you know, able to to play some good baseball and, and be on some competitive teams. You know, for me, I, I just, as, as you start to reflect, I, I always think God puts people in your life at the right time. And, and the sooner you can realize that, the, the sooner you can live with a grateful heart. And for me, you know, I, I mentioned Coach Mars. I, I just, I grew up without a dad and, you know, Coach Mars for me at that time, those in, impactful years through high school, having some male direction uh, was incredibly important for me. And I, I feel like I was, I was sent to Northwood by, by God to have another positive male impact in me and Pat Malcheski. And I always wanted to be like my high school coach and and then when I got to Northwood, I wanted to please Coach Malcheski. I wanted to be the best guy on the lawnmower. I wanted to be the best guy at hitting fungo. I wanted to be the best guy at keeping the book. I wanted to be the best pitcher for him I could be. And, and I, I think to my career, I am coaching college baseball strictly because of, of my high school coach and, and Coach Malcheski, that those guys impacted so many young people's lives. And I felt like if I could – be half the coach that Coach Mars and Coach Malcheski were to me to to other kids, then I've got a chance to make a, a real impact in, in this life that I have. And um, I got a chance to see Coach Malcheski this weekend. We were up at the Frisco Classic and he came out and it was always good to see him and catch up. And I'm, I'm just going to be forever thankful that those guys impacted me the way that they did. And again, I just, I hope I can be half the coach that, that those guys were to me to the players here today. It, it's crazy that you talk about the impact of, of coach Malcheski because when I was at Northwood, I got to see it. Uh, when we would have an alumni event, 
there would basically be three teams. It would be the current Northwood baseball team. It'd be recent alumni. And then there would be guys from the 80s and 90s that would come out and still play. And want, we basically would have an alumni day that was a doubleheader. And all of that happens because of the culture that, that was built, you know, and the foundation that was built by Pat Malcheski, by Coach Malcheski, and, and just continued on into the Jeremy Kennedy era up until the end there. And, and you know, we got to talk about it a little bit earlier. It's a shame that, that you and I don't have a school anymore. And it's not just you and I. There's plenty of guys from around the nation that went to Northwood whose lives were impacted by these guys uh, that, that don't have that school. And it's it's just another shame. But still at the same time, those lessons are are just – there's you can't put a price on them. You know, those no, life I, lessons. I will, I will forever be – indebted to coach Malcheski for believing in me and giving me an opportunity to play baseball after high school. That's all I wanted was that opportunity. And I had a great career and made lifelong friends that again, many of my college teammates were out at Frisco this weekend and getting to see them and former players that I actually got to coach at Northwood when I went back and coached under Pat Malcheski for a year and a half. I mean, that that's what, college baseball is all about is growing up and making lifelong friends and, and getting a ticket to a better life. And that, that meaning a college degree. And, you know, I, I got a degree from there, but I left with an education that's, that's lasted me a lifetime through my career. Coach, one of the things I understand is, is you weren't, uh, you weren't a slouch in the classroom either. You know, I, I understand that you were uh, the school's academic athlete of the year twice as a sophomore and as a senior. And then, you know, just the success on the field as well, uh, winning two NAI conference championships. Tell me about some of the best memories for you that you had at the NAI level at Northwood. Well, I mean, it's like I always tell our players. I mean, you're not you're not going to remember the moments on the field, the things that you're going to remember, the bus rides and hanging out in the dorms and and all the things that you do together. And and for me, it's those those long bus trips out to Ranger, out to Big Spring, out you know across down to. Houston up into Oklahoma and and out to Arizona and regional those those are the moments that I remember the most and I'm so thankful for the the days that coach Malcheski decided to do a project on Sunday after practice a, a a work study project whether it's edging the borders or you know weed eating the ditches up and down by the batting cages I mean he would always come up with something that would keep us at the field for another four hours and <laughs> But he would always take us to Burgers and more after a, a four-hour work study uh, that he asked us to do after a practice or before a practice. Those are the things that I remember. And him loading up us up in the truck, all the work study kids, and giving us a great burger down in Cedar Hill there at Burgers and more. So you, you graduate in 1990, and tell me about what happens there, because you find your way into Texas A&M, and you, you get there – you know, there were a lot of coaching stops for you on the way. You were actually an assistant at Northwood at one time, correct? You bet. And, you know, for me, just like I said, I mean, God put put people in my life and has always taken care of me. My my college pitching coach was Darren Clark under, under, under Coach Mal. And Coach Clark, during my senior year, I told him, I said, listen, if I don't get a chance to play professional baseball, all I want to do is coach and I will go anywhere. I will do anything. To coach, if you could just help me out or point me in a direction, I'd go to Illinois. I will go to East Coast, West Coast. I just want to coach, and just so happened that he was 
graduate assistant with Dave Van Horn at Arkansas prior to coming to Northwood, and he reached out to Dave, who had just gotten the head coaching job at Texarkana College. So I actually drove out to Texarkana during my senior year and met with Coach Van Horn and his wife, Karen, and had lunch with them at the Catfish King. And he told me he was looking for a pitching coach, that he couldn't pay much. And and I said, well, all I want is opportunity. I think he could pay me. He paid me $2,000 a year that as a, an assistant coach. I loaded trucks at UPS in the morning. I waited tables at night, worked on my master's at night. and uh, But I got to be Coach Childress at 21 years old and make mistakes. And I was with him a year and a half. And the job back with Coach Mal opened up and, and got a raise to $15,000 a year to go be the pitching coach under Coach Mal for a year and a half. And then Dave left and went to Central Missouri. I went back to Texarkana as the head coach and was there for six months. And Dave got the job at Northwestern State in Natchitoches, Louisiana. It was a Division One school. He needed a pitching coach. I had never been in a Division One school. So I rolled the dice and said, you know what, I'm going to come with you. And I want to be at a Division One school and gave it a shot. And then three years later, he got the Nebraska job. At 29, I could have stayed and been a head coach at a Division One school or go to Nebraska with him, and I chose to go there. I just wanted to be at a place that if you don't get it done, the only guy you can blame is in the mirror. Let's see if we can't get this thing rolling. The place had national name recognition. The football program was coming off back-to-back national championships. So I did. I I'd rolled the dice and had never shoveled snow before. We went up there, got it rolling faster than maybe even we thought we could, and was there for eight years and you know after our third trip in the last five years to Omaha I got the opportunity to come and be at a program that's right in the middle of my wife's family and mine and has a chance to get to Omaha each and every year and have been here the last 15 years and it's it's gone really fast and usually when it goes fast it means you've had a lot of fun. Again we're sitting down with Texas A&M Head baseball coach Rob Childress here on the NAI Ball Podcast. Robbie Gutierrez here with you as always. Coach Childress, of course, has done some great things in his tenure as the head coach at Texas A&M, including two trips to Omaha You know, as a head coach. What's that like for you as a head coach to, to go to Omaha? I, I know you've really... You haven't gotten experience, Lewiston, in, in the NAI, which is, of course, our, our version of Omaha, but... Yeah. You know, what what is that like for you to go to Omaha and be competitive at the College World Series? Well, it's it's every team's goal. And, and when the season starts, that road to Omaha is incredibly crowded. And just under 300 teams all have that same mission and goal. And the road starts to thin out as you go through adversity. And, and guys, teams will splinter off and go different directions. Other teams galvanize and continue to improve throughout the year. And th- for me... The, the things that I enjoy most as a head coach, number one, is when, when a team's completely sold out to one another. And that that's my ultimate why, you know, and it's the hardest thing to create nowadays. But, you know, number two is is watching guy, the, the team dogpile and, and celebrate something together. I always take a step back and just sit and watch that. And it, it just makes my heart happy that they get to celebrate something they've accomplished together, winning a super regional to get to Omaha and listening to the kids laugh on the back of the bus after a win. Those are the things that, you know, make a coach smile, I would say. Coach, you, you, you talk about 
God putting people in your life and really kind of the thing that I like to remember is something that, that my friend uh, Jeremy Schiedinger told me, which was where you are because it's where you're supposed to be. And that's something that kind of impacted me in my life and in my trials and tribulations. But your relationship with Coach Van Horn, I mean, that's been a, a lifelong friendship for you, of course, now him being at Arkansas and and you being at Texas A&M. But I, if I remember correctly, when you were inducted to the Northwood Hall of Fame, uh, he was out there for you. You bet. And, you know, like I said, there's there's three men in my life that have, have made baseball what it what it means to me. And that's a high school coach, Coach Mile and, and Coach Van Horn. And all those guys just didn't happen into my life. They were put there. And, you know, he's one of my very best friends. And with the exception of one weekend a year, I mean, we had <laughs> our kids together. We watched them grow up together. We still remain incredibly close. And, you know, it's just uh, been a blessing for me throughout my career to be surrounded by such great witness. Coach, there's a, there's a lot of great coaches in the NAI, you know, uh, while we were getting ready to record here, I was actually on the phone with Adrian Dinkle, who's at Southeastern won a national championship two years ago. He's got one of the best teams in the nation at this level. There's, there's so many great coaches like coach Dinkle. I mean, there's, there's a list that I can go through of guys who I think would make good coaches just because of the culture that they bring into the division one level and, and beyond for the younger coaches, for the GAs, for the assistant, for even the head coach that wants to make an impact that wants to do better. What's some of the advice that you can give them to really be the best version of themselves possible? Well, for me, whenever I have former players, you know, when they get done playing professional baseball or if they don't get that chance and they graduate and, and they think they may want, want to go into coaching, my, my, first and, and last piece of advice is, listen, it, 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 if you want to see young people develop into young men and develop as players, you will have a long-lasting career and, and you will never work a day in your life. You will have incredible joy for the rest of your career. But if you get into baseball because you don't know what else to do because it's all you've done for the last 10 years, you will be short-lived for the game. And it, it, it always works out that way. And it's it's funny to me as as I'm coaching older guys and, and they turn, become juniors and seniors, you can really see who has it as far as a, a teacher's heart, a servant's heart. They're there for their teammates and, and they lead in, in special ways. And you know those guys are going to end up making great coaches. If And sometimes they go a different direction and don't coach. But the ones that you feel like have it at, at 20, 21 years old, that they go and make a career out of it. That That's a true joy of mine to see so many players that I've coached out impacting young people's lives at all different levels, whether it's high school, junior college, NAIA, or division two or division three programs, we've got a lot of them out there. And it's, that's part of it too, you know, getting to see those guys go continue to impact young people in in different areas of the country. A ten and three start to the year for y'all, coach at at Texas A and M. Obviously, you know it's a it's a pretty good start to the season. You've got uh, a tough one this weekend coming up with New Mexico State and one of the most prolific hitters in the country, and in Nick Gonzalez coming into uh, Bluebell Park. You know, how do you kind of set up your practices for the week, knowing that you have two midweek games this week? What's the process like for Texas A and M this week? You know, for us, the first three weeks. We, we don't have much practice time at all, and we only are able to practice one day a week. We're playing five-game weeks right out of the chute. We have 
Mondays is a complete day off, and you know we went out of the gates ten and zero, pitched at a high level, played solid defense, and were incredibly offensive. Went to Frisco this past weekend, and just got beat in a in a great baseball game Friday night against Illinois. Asa Lacy threw a a gem, and their guy threw a great game. They got a leadoff hitter on, stole second, hit a ground ball through. We hit a lot of balls hard. Illinois played almost perfectly. It was just a great game to watch. We lost one to nothing. Didn't play well Saturday against UCLA, and and yesterday lost a back-and-forth game with Oklahoma State. So that weekend, you know, I told our guys last night that that weekend is not going to define us. It needs to refine us and and show us all of our blind spots, things we need to improve on and do better moving forward. We needed that, but we get to get right back at it tomorrow. Uh, We play A&M Corpus Christi here. Wednesday, we'll play Abilene Christian. And like you said, we've got an incredibly hot New Mexico State team coming in with probably the best college hitter in the country and a team that I think is 12-1 and one at this point, and, and they're feeling really good about themselves. So that'll be the last tune-up before we get into SEC play for 10 weeks, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing how we respond on Tuesday after the weekend that we had and all the learning that, that my hope is that we did. What's that like, that SEC schedule grind? I mean – I can only imagine it's it's pretty tough. And, and Bluebell Park, you know, Texas A&M has a great culture there uh, of tradition. It's it's a great, you know, the fans are engaged the entire the entire game. But to go into places like Alex Box, St. Thomas University here in a few weeks here in March, will head to Alex Box Stadium to take on LSU. Uh, Pulmonary, of course, a NAI guy himself is you know, over at St. Thomas University. So St. Thomas out of Miami Gardens, Florida, heading up to Alex Box Stadium. They will play Texas Southern as well as uh, they will also take on LSU. So what's that like to head into an SEC stadium, you know, for Coach Bettis and and JC out there at St. Thomas? What's that like to head into an SEC stadium and have to play it at the box or Duty Noble or, or at Ole Miss? Well, I mean, you've got to use the, the stadium to your advantage. And, you know, the thing about all the fans, I mean, it's it can be incredibly intimidating, but they can't eat you. They can't get to you. They can't put their hands on you. And you got to use it to motivate you and inspire you and can't let it suffocate you. And, you know, play, getting through the SEC 10-week challenge, it's the ultimate challenge in our sport. I always liken it to trying to eat an elephant. I mean, the only thing way to go about eating an elephant is one simple bite at a time. You look up out over – that 30 game challenge, it can really take your breath away. You've got to have your head down and blinders on and really go play at one game, one inning, one pitch, one out at a time, or it can really overwhelm you. And that's our job as a coaching staff is to keep the kids' heads pointed forward and not looking over their shoulder and make them all feel like they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Coach, we'll take it back to the NAI here. What was the competition level like back, you know, when you played? I know that there were a lot of teams like Dallas Baptist was was in there. Oklahoma City has traditionally been a powerhouse there, a blue-collar NAI program. What were some of the teams and, and some of the competition level that you remember that stick out the most to you? Well, back then, we could also go and play TCU and UTA and Baylor and Rice and Houston and all those teams in the fall and sometimes on Tuesdays. and. I felt like our talent was would match some of those. And, and when you start talking about other NAI powers, I mean, there were some incredibly talented guys, power arms, power bats, 
guys that may not have had the grades to be at Division One, but were certainly Division One talent. And it was offensive back in the day. The bats were hot. You know the Black Magic Eastons and and all that. I mean, there were some balls hit a long way, and you had better be ready to go out and you know pitch at the highest level, or you could really get embarrassed. And you know it was incredibly competitive. And like I said. You know, for me, I, all I wanted was the opportunity to play beyond high school, and little did I know I made the best decision of my life, choosing to go to Northwood University and who I played for and who I was surrounded by. And I think, Coach, that's really one of my favorite things is is you and I have, have you know, talked a few times in, in person at ABCA and then uh, way back when, when you were getting inducted into the Hall of Fame there at Northwood. Uh, but, you know, my favorite thing is is that – you've gone on to Texas A&M and all these stops that you've had, and, and you've done an incredible job of, of representing our university and our school. Uh, I think another guy who's, who's really done an incredible job of that is, is Matt Deggs has done an incredible job of, of representing our, our university and our school and, and what he's done, what he did at Sam Houston state and what he's going to do now at ULL. Uh, sure. You know, I, I think that there are a lot of examples of NAI guys around the nation that, that we can look at, but one of the one of my favorite things is that you've you've never been too busy to to really stop and take some time out of your day and and so I just wanted to thank you for coming on with us and and talking with us for a few moments and I can attest to that that going Northwood was the greatest deci- decision of my life I mean uh, the time I spent with Coach uh, Robert Garza and Coach Jeremy Kennedy as well as as my teammates I met my my best friend in college Ozzy Gutierrez. You know, uh, I was just the best man in his wedding about, uh, I want to say maybe over a year ago. Um, you know, those, those memories and I wish we got to play some D one teams back then. Uh, we, we had some studs, uh, you know, we had some good players and, and I think that's kind of the, the thing that every NAI team wishes it was, it was still back then when you could go play, uh, you know, the UTAs and the TCUs and all that of the world. I know uh, one of my favorite things to say when I head on, you know, being down here in the Rio Grande Valley is uh, UTRGV, Texas Pan American, has has a one-and-one record all time against Northwood, so they don't have a winning record. And uh, while Coach Ogletree was around, I I made sure I I let him know that that he was one-and-one all time against uh, Northwood University. And, and that's what I was blessed with is growing up around the game and growing up around college baseball, you know, having impact guys who impacted my life, my father, as well as my uncle who played at, at, uh, Texas Pan American coach Ogletree at Texas Pan American. And then these, these coaches that I had in college, uh, were just incredible, but coach, we've, we've learned so much from you before we let you go. Just any final thoughts that, that you want to give out there on, on the NAI and, and just kind of what the guys going through the grind are, are experiencing right now with a, you know, you lived at the long bus rides and the peanut butter jelly sandwiches and, you know, not everything goes to plan. Well, I just think that, you know, young coaches that are wanting to, you know, make an impact and lead a life of impact have got to be willing to sweep the floors and, and be the first one there and the last one to leave. And, you know, that's the way I was. I was willing to, to live in a dorm and, and eat ketchup sandwiches and load trucks at 4 a.m. at UPS, all because I, I wanted to be a college baseball coach. And, you know, I, I've just, I've got great memories and I know this, I, I wouldn't be where I am today and, and had the life that I've had if it wasn't for Northwood University and the opportunity to 
Coach Malcheski provided me, and, you know, I'll be forever indebted to him. And like I said, it was great to see him this weekend. He He's watched me coach two games, and, and we've gotten boat raced in both those games. I don't know that I'm going to invite <laughs> him back to another game, but I do. Uh, you know, he means the world to me, and he's one of my all-time favorite men in the world. Texas A&M head baseball coach Rob Childress. Coach, thank you for taking some time out of your day and, and joining us here on the NAI Ball Podcast. Thanks for having me, Robbie. Thank you once again to Texas A&M head baseball coach Rob Childress for sitting down with us, talking with us earlier this week. I mean, just an absolute honor and a pleasure as always. We're so thankful that he came on the show, and I'm so excited that that he's, you know, somebody who keeps in touch with his roots and will never forget where he comes from. And that's something that a lot of guys who played baseball at Northwood and a lot of guys who play baseball in the NAI can attest to is you just feel a little bit more of a connection when you realize you're both NAI guys. So definitely, definitely, definitely thank you to coach Rob Childress. Moving on here to our games and series to watch what's coming up this week. Well, right now going on is Sun Conference Spring Break Week, and that's basically a week where the Sun Conference teams and teams from up north play about 100 games, it feels like, Cody, all in one week span, (laughs) and we get really confused on who's playing who and who's playing where, and there's just a lot of games this week, and it's not a Sun Conference Conference Week because they're they're basically all playing teams from, from out of conference all week long, so definitely going to be an interesting TSC Spring Break Week. Other games and series we'll be watching this week, University of St. Catharines versus Hope International. Clark takes on Evangel. IU Kokomo versus Point Park. Faulkner versus Blue Mountain. Middle Georgia State versus first place in the SSAC, Bruton Parker. Georgia Gwinnett versus Talladega. St. Andrews and Reinhardt will meet this weekend. And then Bethany versus Friends. Cody, what stands out to you? What will you be checking out that's not in our big series of the week list? Well, even though they're not NAI eligible this season, uh, St. Catherine has been incredible. Uh, they came out, they're the number one team in the NCCAA. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they play against Hope International. This is a team that's going to be competing next year very early on. You look at Antelope Valley, that's a team that came in here and went to the World Series right away. So I'm looking forward to that one. I think that'll be a good one also. I'm, I'm interested to see George Gwinnett and Talladega. That's always going to be a great series. Talladega, I think, is one of those AII teams that that's really impressive. Middle Georgia State versus Bruton Parker. And Cody, you know, this is something we've talked about before, but if you would have told me that at the end of the first week of Southern State's athletic conference play, Bruton Parker is going to go 3-0, and they're 14-4 and overall, we could see an uptick coming. We could see a trend, a rise in Bruton Parker coming. They were getting better, but 14-4, and 18 games into the season, 3-0 and in conference play, that, that's kind of, that's yeah, a little bit of a surprise to me. That's William Jessup type turnaround. If they can keep it going, that's that's super impressive. Like you said, they had we remember the freshman last year, Seth Graham, and he was a dude. Like, see, that's the kind of talent you get in there as a freshman. We knew that. Hey, Bruton Parker's turning it around, and look what they're doing this year. Hats off to them, man. Definitely, definitely, definitely. The other one I'm going to be keeping an eye on: Clark and Evangel. I think Evangel right now four and zero in conference play, eleven and five overall. Clark thirteen and five, three and one in conference play. I think that's an important one if Evangel wants to stay up there in those ranks in the HAAC. Big series for them. I'm interested to see Clark. Want to see them rise. I think they've got a great opportunity here 
to get above Evangel in this series this weekend coming up. So a lot of great games. And of course, if you're looking for something to watch, I guarantee you any of the Sun Conference teams are playing games just about every day this week. Here we go with our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week. Our first Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week is Mobile versus Martin Methodist. Martin Methodist having a year right now. It has been an incredible start to the season. On the day that we are recording this on Tuesday, they are 13-2 and overall in the Southern States Athletic Conference. They are 2-1 and in conference play. Martin Methodist right now hitting 326 as a team. Desmond Williams batting 400 with half of his hits being for extra bases. On the mound, it's a staff ERA of 379. Drew Bailey has started four games and is 3-0 with a 180 ERA this season. He's fanned 25 hitters in 25 innings pitched. For Mobile, they are swinging it 325 as a club. Christian Waltman leads the team in RBIs with 19, while Dalton Roney leads the team in hits with 23. Last season, Hunter Avery was up for a Closer of the Year award, and this year he's 4-0 with a 2.64 ERA in 30 and two-thirds innings pitch. Caleb Coffey has nine season appearances already this year with two saves and a team-high 27 strikeouts. Cody, this is going to be a great series between Mobile and Martin Methodist. Mobile 16 and 4 this year. Both of these teams 2 and 1 in conference play so far in the SSAC. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. It's a big series for Martin Methodist. You know, time to show us where you're at. Uh, you know, this is the schedule is about to get for real. And Mobile's team that can really swing it. I'd like to see what Bailey can do against Mobile because that's a team they steal a lot of bases, they hit a lot of doubles. That's a really good offense. Mid-South Conference play gets going this weekend, and we have to have a Mid-South Conference matchup. Cumberland's and Campbellsville will meet up this weekend. University of Cumberland's out of Kentucky, 17-1. and Off to a fast start, Brian Leaf is leading that charge offensively for them. Leaf is hitting 365 with eight home runs, 20 RBIs. He leads the team in average hits, doubles, triples, home runs, RBIs, total bases, slugging percentage, and stolen bases. What a freaking year for Brian Leaf that he's having. And then on the bump, the Pats post a stellar team ERA of 298. Opponents are hitting just 211 off of them. Colton Easterwood leads the team in punch outs with 30 and 22 innings pitch. This is going to be a great pitching series. I am looking forward to that absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be a really good series. This is probably, you know, it's early, but man, these kind of series can really determine the conference champion. I think that Campbellsville's pitching is the best in the conference. I mean, they're one, two of Alexander Salazar and Gage O'Brien. That's as good as it gets in the country. Campbellsville starters are elite. I watched Salazar against Madonna last weekend. You know, that loss wasn't on him. He pitched really well. You know, anytime you go out there, you pitch five innings, don't give up a couple of runs. That's good enough to win. And Gage O'Brien, what he did to Roosevelt, struck out eight of the first nine, threw an immaculate inning. Campbellsville's a team right now hitting, you know, not where they want to be, but I think they have so much potential just because of their arms on the mound. I think this is a big weekend for Campbellsville with the poll coming out next week, possibly try to climb it. 100% agree. Campbellsville so far on the year, 11-5. and five. Cumberland's 17-1. and one. Really quickly for Campbellsville, a little bit of a deep dive for them. Just like Cody said, their pitching is stellar. On the offensive side, Eddie Artiaga 
leads the way offensively with a 317 average and a team high 14 RBIs, but the spotlight has to be the pitching. A 252 staff ERA, opponents hitting just 190. Alexander Salazar has a 1.03 ERA in 26 and a third innings pitch with 42 strikeouts, and then Gage O'Brien, one ERA flat, 18 innings pitch, 31 strikeouts. These two frontline starters have been absolutely phenomenal this season. I am 100% looking forward to this series. You talk about Brian Leaf. I wanted to give him a shout out too. That's a guy that hit 20 home runs last year. So, I mean, he's a center fielder as good as it gets around the nation. And I just want to give him his due because he is continuing to rate. Hit a walk-off home run in the 15th inning last week. That guy is a stud. It's time now for our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week, our National Series of the Week. And we take it out to the Sooner Athletic Conference where Texas Wesleyan and Oklahoma City will meet. And Cody, there's a little bit of a deeper feel to this one. And before we really get into the, the deep dive on the teams and what they're doing, you know, these are two good baseball programs. It it just this one means a little bit more, I think, for, for both of these programs. And so I, I definitely if you could give the, the people at home a little bit of insight about why it means more, I think, you know, that would be incredible. Well, both of these teams, you know, they're fighting hard on the field, but both of these teams have a player off the field that are battling cancer. Oklahoma City's Caleb Davis currently really he's at the end of his fight. He's doing really well, he's doing better. Uh, He's not going to play this year, but uh, he had a huge battle with cancer. He went through so many surgeries last year, went through chemo, and he just had a really tough go of it. And he's a great player. I mean, he's a dude hitting north of 300 last season. And then you look for Texas Wesley, and they have a player, Matthew Espinoza, and he's also battling cancer of his own. So it's just for a team that, you know, conference rivals to come together and really support these players. I remember Coach Garza last year when he found out Caleb Davis had cancer. You know, he just was really good about it, made a great gesture. He reached out to him, and I just thought, great, it's so good for the sport when you can just put rivalries aside and just focus on what really matters. And I think both of these teams are going to be playing with heavy hearts. You know, and and obviously, Coach Garza is is one of the reasons I'm in the NAI, and then Denny Crabaw is is just one of the greatest of all time. And I think it's just an incredible, incredible opportunity here to really – come together and see that that sometimes it's a little bit more than baseball. Caleb Davis told us that his goal was to get back on the field. We are so excited to hear that things are trending up for him. For Matt Espinosa, man, we're thinking about you. I know you're not making the trip this weekend because you have things going on right now. Got another round going. Keep fighting, man. Keep keep battling. And same thing for you, Caleb. Just keep battling, keep fighting. And, you know, Cody and I, obviously, we're, we're big fans of, of NAI baseball. We're big fans of all of y'all around the nation. So we want to see both of these guys be victorious in their battles. And so when we heard that that these two teams were, were playing this weekend and they've both got a player battling something bigger than baseball that, you know, affects their teammates, affects their families, affects the players, it's it's definitely something that you want to highlight and bring some attention to. So hoping and praying for the best for everybody out there. Let's get into some of the deeper stats here. For OCU, the offensive production has never seemed to be an issue. They're hitting 321 as a team and Tyler Williams, Cody, Tyler Williams is so freaking good. He's a monster. He's hitting 411 with 10 home runs, 23 RBIs. It's just the pitching has been the tough spot for OCU this year, but they've managed to still win some ball games with some offensive showings. 
Cross Factor and Gunner Halter have also helped on offense. But Cody, really quickly, Tyler Williams is just incredible. Tyler Williams is an absolute dude. I mean, he was a guy that was just putting up numbers as a freshman in the Pac-12. He's a great player, a transfer from Arizona State, hit 20-something bombs last year, is going to hit 20 more this year. Oklahoma City's lineup is so good. They have a Kentucky transfer in Dalton Reed. They have a Mississippi State transfer in Gunnar Halter. You know, the Arizona State transfer, Tyler Williams. They can hit the baseball, man. If they can get their pitching on track, that's a Lewiston team. OCU is a blue-collar program in the NAI. And so they definitely have the talent. Just got to put it all together now. But Tyler Williams, absolutely incredible. He did some, like you said, some amazing things as a freshman in the Pac-12. And he's doing some amazing things at Oklahoma City University right now. Yeah, he's our number two prospect in the country for Baseball America this year. So he's an absolute freak. Absolutely. For Texas Wesleyan, two great offenses getting to meet this weekend at Jim Wade Stadium in Oklahoma City on the campus of OCU. TWU hits 315 as a team. Joaquin Ballesteros leads the team and hits with 31. Michael Higgins, Tanner Amaral, and Marcos Sanchez all have over 20-plus RBIs on the year. On the mound, Jesse Ramirez has been incredible. I mean, he's having a great career at Texas Wesleyan. A 169 career ERA in 80 innings pitch. He's starting more games this year for TWU and through 26 and two-thirds innings has struck out 36 with a 135 ERA. And we cannot miss Gabriel Sequeria, who leads the nations in strikeouts. 34 innings pitch, 64 chairs thrown, 64 punchouts. Cody, Gabriel Sequeria has been electric on the mound. He's an absolute dude. He set the NAIA season high with 16 strikeouts over number seven Bellevue. I mean, he did that to a World Series team from a year ago. He's super impressive. I mean, he's striking out 16, 14, and 11 in his last three. So definitely some great series to watch this weekend. A lot of good baseball going on. Games all week long. No excuse not to tune in. No excuse not to watch. Before we get going with the show, before we take a break for another week, some conference predictions. Cody, you and I are going to go one by one here. And we're going to split this up over a few weeks. So first and foremost, we are doing the AMC. There's a lot of good teams in the American Midwest right now. You've got Freed Hardeman, who's 14 and two lion at 15 and four Columbia, 13 and three central Baptist is 17 and three. You feel like Missouri Baptist can make a run. They're six and six right now, but four and two in conference. Who's your favorite to win? Who's your dark horse? Well, I think my favorite's going to be Freed Hardeman. I just think they're so good on the mound. Austin Steele, Alex Huey, I mean, they are just electric on the mound. You look at guys like Connor Creasy, and I, I just think they're really good. They have the All-American Josh Sears, Colin McHugh's hitting it really well. Uh, I liked what I saw out of the freshman Drew Robertson the first week. I just think they're loaded. I think they're going to win it. When I pick a sleeper team, it's hard to pick them a sleeper because they're nationally ranked, but I think Lions, the team that could do it. I mean, they're 6-0 in conference. They're really good on the mound. They're balanced. They can hit really well. If we, we want to go even further than that, look what Central Baptist is doing. 16 wins on the season. They are hitting the ball like crazy. For freshman Griffin O'Lind, I mean, he may be an All-American. Yeah, he's hitting the ball incredibly right now this season, and there's some really good ball clubs in this conference. So for myself, I went favorite to win, Freed Hardeman. I just think that they're really good. They have so many pieces returning from back-to-back Lewiston trips. 
They're going to be a national competitor all year long. And then Dark Horse, I went with Columbia just because I think Chris Wall's really good. I think they've done some really good team things this year at Columbia, and they're in third place right now. Maybe not the most exciting favorite to win in Dark Horse combinations out there, but wouldn't be surprised if Lyon took it. I think I, I really want to see Central Baptist. They are hot right now. So if they keep things going, I mean, obviously that dark horse can change. But right now, if I had to pick two teams, I would take Freed Hardeman and Columbia. Moving on to the KCAC, the Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference. Cody, your favorite and your dark horse. Well, I'll tell you what, man. If this conference isn't harder to pick than usual, with uh, <laughs> Oklahoma Wesleyan just not quite being where they were the last few years. Right. I think I'm going to roll with Tabor to win it but I mean I, I'm not like I wouldn't bet money on anyone right now I think it's that wide open I think it's GSAC territory McPherson has been incredible I mean we talked about it earlier their offense is legit Kyle Lux is hitting 508 he has 12 home runs already so they have a dude I don't know I guess I'll pick Tabor though I just really like their coach I like Mark Stanford I think they're just really good they're a great program and I'm gonna lean with the Blue Jays and then my outside shot pick is gonna be McPherson okay so we have the same picks here <laughs> Uh, Tabor is going to be my favorite. They're 12 and six, three and one. I think that they're, they're a really good team. They're a very well coached team with Mark Stanford and then McPherson's offense. You just cannot deny that they've been really, really good. And they're going to, I think, continue to be really good. And part of the reason that I'm choosing McPherson is because they've had two straight 30 plus win seasons. I can't, I mean, you look at the years before that and it's 20 win years, 23, 20, 19, 18. I think I would not be surprised at all if McPherson won this. And I know it's kind of a, uh, oh, they picked another team in the top three. But you know what? Oklahoma Wesleyan right now at 12-12 and 12 with a 1-3 record in conference. I think Tabor and McPherson. I could also see friends getting it done. They're 4-0 to start the year in conference play. What about Oklahoma Outs- Wesleyan? Do you, do you think Oklahoma Wesleyan can get back in it? They're 12-12. and 12. They're 1-3 in conference play right now. Uh, just the pedigree they have. They talk about Cody Muncie. One of they they have they may have the best player in the conference, Cody Muncie. I mean, the guy is incredible. Has eight home runs, hitting four hundred. But do you think that they can get it done? Do you think it's just pitching wise? Have they shown you enough? I w- I want to believe that they can. You know, Kirk Kelly is a good coach. This is an Oklahoma Wesleyan team with a track record that's positive. You know, but the seven twenty seven team ERA kind of holds me back a little bit. I think, you know, with you, they're 24 uh, games in. It's hard. I mean, when you're 24 games in, I mean, they're, you, we have a really large sample size to go off of. And right now, with 24 right. games in, I'm going with Tabor and McPherson over them. You know, and you and I expected a, a lot from Oklahoma Wesleyan this year. Obviously, you know, one of the things we talked about in the last episode was Drenis Ozuna. Not there for them this year. He'll be back next year. But we still expected them to be pretty competitive. I know today they faced OCU. I do not think it went in their favor. It did not. It was not really competitive. Uh, I'm, you know what? I mean, Cody, man, I would not be surprised if they just go on an absolute run and end up winning this conference. Like, it would not shock me. I know they've played 24 games. We've seen a sample size. But this is a program that has done really well with itself the last couple of years. So it wouldn't shock me, but at the same time, you've got some teams playing really good baseball right now. Gabe Grinder over at Ottawa is playing good. They're three and one in conference, 14 and eight overall. Southwestern, they swapped Bellevue, took two or three from Sterling. Southwestern, their second year back from baseball, you know, they're looking pretty good too. 
Absolutely. And so that's why I'm going to stick with Tabor and I'm going to stick with McPherson here in the KCAC. Let's move on to the Cal Pack. And Cody, I'll start this one off, but the favorite, I think, has to be Benu Mesa. 18 and 5 overall, 5 and 0 in conference play. It's a little bit of a funky conference with all those teams in there. You're mixing in the Cascade as well. But Benu Mesa is going to be my favorite to win the conference. And then my dark horse is going to be British Columbia. And they're going to go to that Cal Pack conference. And two teams are going to go to the national tournament from that tournament. And they I think British Columbia. Is, yeah, they did. They, they did. The and, you know, they, they kept. They kept Benu Mesa out. Benu Mesa had an opportunity to get it done in that CalPAC tournament, get themselves that automatic bid, and they they couldn't do it. This year, I don't think they'll have a problem getting in at eighteen and five. They're a really good ball club. They were a really good baseball team last year. You just it's hard in this in the NAI to leave it to chance because there's so few at large bids. And again, we can rail against the system all we want, but there are so few at large bids. But I think UBC is is my dark horse. I think their pitching is really good. And so 6-2 and two in conference play overall to start the year for them. But I think Benu Mesa is the favorite. Antelope Valley would not surprise me. What about for you? Yeah, I'm going to roll with the Antelope Valley. I mean, show me something different. They just, ever since they, you know, they've started up, joined the CalPAC, went to the World Series, they've owned that conference. It's close now. Don't get me wrong, man. This is a super narrow lead. They keep winning it by... And uh, Ben Mesa is a good pick. Like you said, you think they're going to clip them. They would be my second pick. But I just you – know, something about Antelope Valley, man. When they get into CalPAC play, it doesn't matter if they lose to GSAC teams or whatever. When it comes to crunch time, they win their conference games. They know their goal to the tournament. They know their path, and they execute it. So uh, I'm going with UAV. Huge series this weekend against Ben uh, Normally, most weeks, it would be one of our big series of the week. And just a great matchup. Those two are 10-9 and nine against each other. So super competitive. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you here. What about what about St. Catharines? 19 and 5 overall. Now, hear me out here. Swept La Sierra, took 3 of 4 versus Marymount, California. Took 3 of 4 versus Antelope Valley. Took 3 of 4 versus Westcliff who's entering the NAI. And they've got a big series this weekend with Hope International. It's the rest of their schedule, Cody, is Hope International. Bethesda, Menlo, Westmont, Park, Ottawa, Bethesda, and that's Ottawa, Arizona. But obviously, the Hope International, the Menlo, and the Westmont series are the ones that we'll really be keeping an eye on. 19-5 and five to start the year. Do you think that if St. Catharines was eligible this season to make postseason play in the NAI, that they would be one of your picks? Yeah, they would be my pick. I mean, as the, the boys like to say on Twitter, the birds are hot. Yeah, man, they're... They're on fire. I, I think they're really good. I got to watch them play a couple of times, and if they were eligible, they'd be my pick. Like you said, they took three or four from Antelope Valley. They put up a lot of runs. So, you know, it's a shame we don't get to see them play Benu Mesa, but I think that, yeah, I think next year they're a team to look out for. I think they're a team that could contend for an opening round spot right away. They're 19-5, and five, hitting 355. That'll be a team to watch next season, but for now we will watch them for the rest of the year how they do – against NAI opponents. Last but not least, it's the Heart of America Athletic Conference. Cody, I'll go first again, and I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Central Methodist is my favorite. Now, the Dark Horse, I kind of went back and forth on because it wouldn't surprise me if Clark won this conference. 
but I went with Evangel, and they're off to a hot start, 11-5, They're 4-0 in conference play right now. They won eight games in HAAC play all of last season. They're already one series in to the conference year, and Evangel's already halfway to their total win mark for Heart of America Athletic Conference games last season. So Evangel was my dark horse. Who do you have? Yeah, so I actually really like Central Methodist as the best team in this conference. I think that they're going to win the regular season. Uh, I think Clark's the second best team. Shout out to Jacob Kerman, starting pitcher at Clark. That guy's a dude. Doesn't get the love he should, but he's really good. Yeah, I just like Central Methodist. I mean, they're so good. Schwellenbach on the mound. Kenny Otero's been a guy. Logan Herring, Sergio Macias. You know, Central Methodist is a team you don't want in your opening round. Like, I know they're going to a tournament, nationally ranked team, and they're just legit. But that heart tournament, ooh, my favorite tournament in all of NAI postseason baseball. Not even close. They have the play-in game. Robbie, you know I love the play-in game. One game, season <laughs> on the line. Let's go. Roll the marbles. I love it. Remember Baker last year as the five seed? Won the tournament. Yeah, just made the opening round. Incredible story. Yeah, I love the hard tournament, man. That's fun stuff, especially with the play-in game. Uh, so, yeah, just two teams playing one game. Winner gets to advance to the bracket. Loser's season's over. And just I'm a big fan of that. And, uh, yeah, but when you go, it's hard to not go chalk here. It's hard to not go Central Methodist Clark. Baker <laughs> the Baker winning the tournament last season was absolutely insane. And that's that's another reason that that at-large pool shrunk a little bit. Somebody's bubble burst. But the HAAC play-in game is games, plural, it's one whole day. That's my favorite thing. And, and we will watch that always because that's one game season on the line do or die do you want to play for another day do you get to play for another day baker made some great things happen last year cody would not be shocked if clark won this conference as well but i think central methodist right now is the favorite there clark i think is is the next but if i had to look at a team outside of that i would definitely say evangel give a shout out really quickly to patrick gall for evangel uh, his name is all over the nation's leaders. He's hitting 545 this year. I mean, he is literally 30 for 55 this season. So that's incredible. Just shout out to that guy. That guy can clearly hit. Cody, man, before we get going, any more final thoughts, any more, you know, things that, that really people should be watching out for from around the nation? I just think it's a loaded matchup. Check out our NAI ball big series of the week. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Columbia pitcher Connor Darnell. He's been making graphics for us lately. Uh, he approached us, asked us if we needed anything done, and uh, he's just been incredible, man. He's an absolute dude. Yeah, his name is Connor Darnell. He has a one three seven ERA too. Obviously, getting it done on the field, and uh, he's getting it done off the field too. His graphics work is incredible. He makes all the Columbia team graphics, and they just look so legit. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate his help. And I wanted to give Connor a shout out. Ben U Mesa, Antelope Valley. Their first go-around, they will meet and at Benu Mesa for this first go-around, and then they will meet again in late April at Antelope Valley. That's another series that you need to be keeping an eye on out in the Cal Pack with huge conference implications in that one. UAV 6-0, 15-8 overall. Benu 5-0, 18-5 overall. Some great baseball going to be played all weekend long. Thank you to everybody who listens in. If you're looking for Cody, for all of your news, stats, scores, and information from around the nation, it's at NAI Ball on Twitter. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well, at NAI Ball. We've got 
great content going out on Instagram. So you need to be following us there for myself, your host, Robbie Gutierrez at Rob G one Oh six, three on Twitter to talk to me. Let's talk some NAI baseball. We're always looking for things to talk about. Always looking for some players making impacts. We cannot do it without y'all who listen at home and who are feeding us information always. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to coach Rob Childress over at Texas A&M for being our guest. And that'll do it for this week, season three, episode five. Until next week, we hope you have a great day and an even better.